Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Voluntary View. Today we've got a special guest, Mr. Ace Arkist. That's how you say that, right? Yes, yes, you got it. <laughs> Excellent. Ace yeah. is one of... Uh, Twitter followers, a big fan of his, actually. He tweets out a lot of excellent stuff about liberty. And that, in fact, got him into a little bit of a spat with some... We well, you know how it is in Twitter. There's always some kind of spat going on. Boys. But, yeah, got him into a little bit of uh, a spat over a Friday, Saturday. And, uh, I don't know, why don't, you, why don't you tell us about that, Ace? Um. Yeah, I don't even remember what the original tweet that started it, but it was something to do with the Civil War. It was something to do, like, it spiraled into a conversation of slavery and whether the Union was justified versus the Confederacy, which obviously, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, as an anarchist myself, I, I disagree with both of those. Uh, so, yeah, yes. that, that's kind of like the genesis of it, really. And I actually, actually took a picture of it. Uh, the person said, uh, wishing everyone a happy Confederate Surrender Day. That's what it was, and, yes. And he had this uh, this meme picture of a Union soldier drinking a giant bottle of uh, water labeled Rebel Tears. Right. And, you know, that, that's kind of tasteless, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it was yeah. superimposed over uh, a picture of Atlanta burning. Yes. And that, I think... I think for you and me, that one was just a little bit too far. Yeah, of... I mean, it's it's just like, you know, that's a, Sherman's March is like an atrocity, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. if you just go back and like read the history of it, it's like what the Union soldiers like did to just the civilians in those towns is just horrific. Mm-hmm. It, it would be like considered a war, obvious war crime if it happened to, you know, America. Yeah. But then we, now at Voluntarism in Action, we have a saying that good ideas don't require force mm-hmm. and the biggest pushback we get from uh, the stand people who believe just the standard narrative of history is well it took force to stop the nazis and well it took force to end slavery and that's the typical pushback that we get and i got the impression that that was kind of what you were up against on friday saturday with this uh, everyone celebrating uh, not only the surrender of the Confederacy, but what it took, what they believe it took to get that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, most people will look at history and they'll look at all like the stacks of bodies. No, they won't even look at the stacks of bodies. They're just numbers to these people. And all that matters is like the goal, right? So like everyone alive agrees that, yeah, slavery ending is a great thing. Like, I don't think there's any person who would ever disagree with that. Uh, but the problem is what most people don't see is the thousands and thousands and thousands of bodies that are stacked up because of that war. So just because that it, it might have led to a good consequence, it doesn't mean that everything else that led up to that point was therefore justified. And I think that's the mistake most people make. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. So then thinking about uh, more, more practical considerations. Mm-hmm. So you and I would believe did not have to have a war that, well, let's go back. Is the person, uh, they, they followed up trying to justify their tweet. And uh, I said, a few of you are struggling with the fact that the defeat of the breakaway slaver nation is cause for celebration. The civil war was caused by the CSA seceding over slavery. 
any other cause you bring up was secondary. Well, <clears throat> I would say that they're conflating, they're conflating the issue there. They say the civil war was caused by the secession. And I don't think that's true. I agree that the secession, in part, yes, they definitely seceded over slavery. Yes. Among other issues, tariffs, states' rights, etc. So the secession, I believe, was definitely over slavery. Yes. I don't think that that had necessarily to lead to a war. No, and it wasn't even the justification for like the union going to war. Like, sure, there were some abolitionists who did want who did want war, but some of the, a lot of them did not, right? But I mean, if we can just go to like you know Lincoln himself, uh, Lincoln's main like um, role in that in entering the war was to reform the union. His entire plan was just to keep the union together at any cost. In fact, uh, if like if people want to go with this narrative that uh, you know, well, it was just you know, it was to stop slavery. There were northern union states on the border between the uh, north and south that were allowed to have slaves in the north, right? Legally speaking, mm-hmm. so uh, this this is just like an um, an ad hoc uh, retroactive narrative that is created. Uh, if you go back to like Lincoln's inaugural address or even some of the letters he wrote, he's quite clear that, you know, he just wanted the union back, whether that meant ending slavery or keeping slavery. So it's just, it's just a way for him. He wanted, he felt the union had to be together no matter what. So yeah, the, the Confederacy did like in their charter, in their constitution, they did advocate, they did say, yeah, we're seceding for slavery and, you know, a list of other reasons, but primarily slavery, but that wasn't the reason the North necessarily went to war with them that that was essentially slavery was essentially a secondary concern for most of them if at all yeah especially when you consider uh, things like uh, the fugitive slave act that's right uh, that yes. was i believe that was still in place it was it hadn't, uh, been rescinded at that time that's so right. uh, for those of you who don't know that was an act by the federal government that said that slaves that escaped slavery in the south legally had to be sent back by northern states that yes. discovered them. So far from being a, a bastion of freedom for these poor people who were enslaved, the federal government was sending them right back right. to the South. So, And if I could just say something on that too, real quick, I mean, is that um, it, it, people always bring up, well, if you're for secession, then you're for you know slavery or some sense, right? Well, that's just, that's just, you know, a non sequitur that that's not doesn't make any sense. But also to my point is a lot of the northern states used what's known as nullification, where states would nullify federal laws. And they used that specifically to combat the uh, Fugitive Slave Act. So the northern states would say, yeah, you're not allowed to send federal troops in here to collect the slave if he's run away. So we'll essentially grant him sanctuary within our state. And this was used. This was is a form of secession without, you know, bre- breaking away fully. But it's essentially saying, yeah, your laws have no power here and that was used you know to combat the federal overreach essentially so you know there were actual examples of secession like strategies that the north used to combat slavery instead of enshrining it or that some states in the north did that's fantastic yeah i I remember one uh one person i can't remember his name i'll have to see if i can find the quote but he was accused i think he was a congressman and he was accused by uh, some of his fellow congressmen of uh, harboring escaped slaves and not sending them back as was required by the law. And he said, yes, I do. And this is my address. And anyone who's an escaped slave can come and I will help mm-hmm. them. Just openly yeah. defying because he knew what was right and he knew right. what was not right. 
Yeah. In that case, the law was not right. So, and then we come, we come then to uh, the issue of, well, if the Civil War wasn't necessary to stop slavery, how was slavery ended? Or how could slavery have been ended? Mm -hmm. Because people make the mistake of thinking that, well, without the war to stop slavery, it never would have ended. And we still would have people enslaved today. Yeah, that's that's just a historical, right? Like, if we think about it, like America was the only well, it wasn't technically America at that time. But you know, the civil the North and the South, that was the only war that was the only war between like actual big countries that happened over slavery, every other nation state in the world at that time, ended slavery without a war. Uh, in, in fact, when people say, well, how could it have ended? You, you people have to consider the slave trade was basically almost dead at that point. Like uh, it had been like 20, 30 years since England had out- already outlawed slavery. So they, that was a, like a, a big trading port was England, which they would, you know, um, you know, be like an intermediary where they would, you know, uh, take s- slaves from Africa and ship them over to a bunch of different places. Right. So they were no longer doing that at that time. So the ability and the cost it would take for the South to import new slaves would have been extremely expensive considering that no one else was in engaged in this at a time, right? So just like the cost alone would have been uh, um, a reason you can say that it would have ended like naturally and peacefully. Uh, now, of course, when you say that, that's not to say that, oh, well, th- therefore it's okay that there were still slaves in the South, right? That's that's not what we're saying, obviously. But uh, it w- it is to say that the slave trade would have ended uh, naturally. It would have come to a, you know, a death on its own. So and let, me, oh, let, me play, let me play devil's advocate for sure. a minute. And say, well, yes, well, the slave trade might have ended, but they still had slaves and they would have mm-hmm. just kept breeding more slaves and keeping these families right. uh, to be their slaves. So what then would you say to that? How could that well, have been ended without a war? Right. Well, what they could have done is they could have um, issued an order which said in the North that any slave who escapes into the North is automatically a citizen and uh, is protected by our laws, right? That would have been one way. And you could also have used um, either, you know, some form of like local slave rebellion or just essentially taking the slaves away in the middle of the night and, you know, like uh, rescuing them essentially, right? Mm -hmm. From the actual plantations themselves, Right. That would have been perfectly morally justified to do. And they could have gone in in these little like insurgent type uh, things. And that would have been perfectly fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They also could have attempted to buy them and then free them. The North could have attempted to buy them from the plantation owners and free them. That's also another thing they could have done. Uh, and, And there were like, you know, these like little slave rebellions like mm-hmm. that happened right they're, they're not really covered because obviously the war the war uh, overshadows that but yeah. they did happen and, and there was like people who did rescue slaves and just you know an underground underground railroad type situation where these people were smuggled out mm-hmm. and i think definitely throwing uh throwing the resources of the north instead of into killing people mm-hmm. into strengthening and uh, really funding the Underground Railroad. That's right. Making it an above-ground railroad. That's right. That would have been uh, a much, much better. But not only did they not do that, like we mentioned, the Fugitive Slave Act, they did the opposite yes. of that. That's right. So to say that uh, it it reminds me of how in uh, the years leading up to the Second World War, when the Jews were trying to escape because they saw which way the wind was blowing in Germany. Yeah. 
and America said, nope, you cannot come here. Yeah, FDR and, turned back a, a, a boat full of uh, Jews back yeah. to Germany. And then they throw up their hands, look at this huge tragedy. Right. But you could have at least mitigated that before, and you That's did right. exactly the opposite of what would have helped. Yeah, so it's all, it's kind of a red herring when they say this, right? That, well, how would, you know, slavery have ended if the North hadn't tried to end slavery? Well, the North didn't try to end slavery. That was like a, a thing that happened well into the war where the narrative kind of changed. And they were like, well, you know what? Actually, we we, we do need to do this, right? It, it was kind of a thing they had, like long after the war was already waging and going on, they kind yeah. of decided that, right? After yeah. the fact, so, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, it, it's ironic. I think this was also something I was bringing up, which is that, you know, Lincoln, who was considered this great emancipator, uh, enslaved by conscripting 600,000 men into a, mm-hmm. a meat grinder, right? That they didn't yes. want to fight in. Yeah. I remember um, Spooner said something very similar, that instead of the war ending slavery, the number of slaves have been greatly increased. Yes. Because now everyone in the South who had seceded was now subjected to a government that they did not want. That's right. The only uh, political justification for government power is the will of the people. Mm -hmm, But if you subject the government, subject people to the government against their will, then that, uh, what would you say, that moral authority that the government right. claims to have isn't even there. And yeah. you're just a conqueror and a tyrant. Exactly. Right. Because it's like, like these uh, men were uh, essentially in, in both the North and the South were conscripted against their will to go and fight and die. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that has increased the number of slaves than what there was previously. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of times people will make it out to be that, oh, well, you know, the South, you know, it's true. The Southern, like the Southern uh, government, the Confederacy did support slavery. But if you read like the notes between like the, just the average soldiers, like the poor, like downtrodden, like lower class, middle class, economically speaking, uh, soldiers that were conscripted, they aren't talking about like, oh, you know, I'm fighting to defend slavery. No, they see it as th- this is just their home and they're defied, you know, defending it from an invading force. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, the it totally makes sense to me why, you know, you can have uh, some type of empathy or sympathy for like the Confederate soldiers and so even so, you know, the generals yeah, a lot of times, right? Like mm-hmm. that makes complete sense to me. You don't have to support, you know, the, the entire government just because you support, you know, the, um, um, you know, Confederate soldiers defending their home, right? Because, and I mean, look, considering what happened, they had good reason. Sherman's March burned down all of the South practically. It was mm-hmm. a, a bloodbath. Yeah. And, and I think partly because, because of the way slavery was ended here, I think that indirectly or maybe directly has led to a lot of the racial tension that mm-hmm. still exists. Yes. Because, because of the force that was used, it wasn't allowed to end uh, peacefully and naturally like it did in other places by right. people realizing, Hey, you know, this is, this is wrong. This is something we shouldn't be doing, which That's would right. have happened eventually either from moral pressure or from economic pressure. I mean, yeah. can you imagine nowadays uh, someone wanting to buy a slave produced cotton shirt? Right. And yeah. You would, you'd be a pariah. Exactly. Would, right. But instead of doing that, it was, it was by force. 
And then you've got the, the counter force of the KKK and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then that made the government feel like they had to use counter force again to force people to integrate. Yeah. And it's just this cycle of coercion that and, is you know, still going on. Speaking of like, you know, like the racial problems in America, it also does go like right after the war during reconstruction, how they were treated by the government, right? Like the slaves. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was like just terrible. Like anyone who like, like, in my opinion, that's probably where it like most of it comes from. I mean, slavery, of course, right, but especially how they were treated afterwards, uh, from government, like uh, con- government reconstruction. And, you know, um, Murray Rothbard had this great, um, had this great piece, I don't remember where he wrote it, but he, he was talking about like how, you know, w- when the North just destroyed all of the south through sherman's march they actually denied the slaves actual justice because what happened is now the the like the the plantations that the slaves worked on and and were the actual homesteaders of um were now destroyed and they were never like given to the slaves as like any type of compensation you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like that they they were also just freed but they they were essentially deprived of the fruit of their labor when they were freed so that also you know that also led to um, a lot of animosity, justly so, obviously, right? Yeah, that's that's really interesting, a double yeah. deprivation, because yes. it was stolen from them, and then it that's was right. destroyed. That's so right. they couldn't get it back. Oh. Yep. Hmm. Now, I, I particularly like the, uh, the possibilities. Uh, it's easy to think about what could have been, right. but, of course, there's the the strong possibility that if they pursued those peaceful uh, or at least non uh, warfare means mm-hmm. to end slavery, then the Confederacy would have stayed a separate nation. And then who knows what further secessions could have happened when they had disagreements among themselves, more secessions. That's right. And then would have set the precedent in the union that if you, like what was said in the Declaration of Independence, if this political body does not represent you anymore, you have the right to alter it mm-hmm. to choose something else. But right. instead of that, you could have had maybe so many different, and maybe each state would have been its own state. Right. Not yeah. ordered around by a federal government and maybe even more smaller states. Yeah. Instead of one uh, one giant leviathan controlling most of the continent. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, it, when when Lincoln went to war, it was more about establishing empire than it was freeing the slaves, right? So it's mm-hmm. like it is interesting to think about like what what are the, what were the ramifications of the union coming back together, right? Like let's just say slavery would have ended, right? Let's just assume that, right? So we can get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. How much you know, in my opinion, better would things have been if you know there had been more decentralization and more um, secession overall, you know. I mean, it's, you know, I, I can't say this with any evidence because it's all, you know, what if, what if, what if, but perhaps World War One would not have happened. It would have happened, but not with the U.S. intervention, you know, which mm-hmm. also caused a lot of problems nice. uh, if we had not had that fortified empire from, you know, bringing the South back. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, and, this domino effect. Yeah. And not only that, but that victory uh, over the Confederacy that set up, like you said, that taste for empire. And then yeah. that led to the Spanish-American War, where they took right. Cuba and the Philippines. And then that, of course, led to the First World War, 
And America's involvement in that helped to set up the Treaty of Versailles, which helped right. set up the Second World War. And like we said earlier, that cycle of violence and coercion is yeah. still continuing. And, you know, some even, you know, communist dictators in the USSR even referenced Lincoln when they when there was talk of, you know, certain states trying to get out of the USSR. They're like, no, we got to be, you know, we got to kind of be like Lincoln and <laughs> shut that down. And uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it had, it set a terrible precedent, right? Like, besides, well, I look at like freeing the slaves as some, something separate from the actual war itself, right? Because obviously the North did not go in to free the slaves. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there is this horrible ramification. And also anytime someone brings up secession nowadays, they either get accused of being a neo-Confederate where they just want to bring back slavery, which is just on its face insane, right? That's just, that's just a non-starter. And also they'll say that, well, we had a war to, you know, to solve that issue. Well, war doesn't solve issues. Aggression doesn't solve issues. It just makes one person, one per like, like it, if, if you, me and you were having a disagreement and I beat you up or something, right? We wouldn't say that, well, we have solved our disagreement because I beat you. <laughs> up right that it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. so it's just like when people say that it's just like really like I, I don't know i just find that kind of dumb yeah it's and i think a large part of that is just because that's the narrative yeah. that people are taught by the victorious government in their government right. schools of course yeah. and it feeds into into that cycle where now that's deemed to be something that's okay Mm-hmm. which uh, I was talking about my wife with this. It's kind of a, a betrayal of the original values that were laid out in the Declaration of Independence. Absolutely. That, that was, we don't like to think of it, or Americans don't like to think of it that way, but it was a secessionist war. Yes. Colonists wanted to secede from the government over in England. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and it's like I, I've I've had little like disagreements with conservatives about this on Twitter. When it's like, look, if you're conservative and you love the Constitution and the founding of America, you have to at least consider that America would not exist if it wasn't if it wasn't for a secessionist movement, right? That that that's what happened. Like uh, the American colonists kicked out the British out of the colonies in America, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just undisputed. Like, but but they'll always say, well, you know that was an unjustified government and then you're left, you know, uh, in this argument, well, what is a justified government, you know, and all the way down. But I mean, looking at Lincoln, Lincoln was, you know, just like even his domestic policies, he was a tyrant, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, he locked up journalists, he suspended habeas corpus, uh, yeah. all these things, right? Yeah, I remember reading a quote from him uh, saying something about how, well, if I have to ignore the constitution to save the union, then that's what I'm going to do. That's right. Like yeah. How how much more a uh, tyrant? How much right. more clearly can you say I am a tyrant? That's that? right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can disagree like the reasons people wanted to secede, and I do, right? Like if you're seceding from slavery, yeah, I don't support that. But also, if you're saying that, if the other person is saying that, well, we need to just you know stop them from leaving, not because of slavery, but because for empire, then I also disagree with that, right? So you can hold both of these positions without them being like mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The issue isn't isn't slavery, but mm-hmm. can I subject you to my political authority? That's right. Yes. And it goes against the Declaration, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. And people conflate that with the issue of slavery, because mm-hmm. obviously slavery is bad, violates fundamental yes. rights. Absolutely. But and they don't recognize that 
subjecting someone to a political authority they do not want also violates their fundamental rights. Yeah. Because it's easier to see that someone chained up is obviously having their rights violated. That's right. Absolutely. It's like Spooner has that great quote. Um, uh, you know, you're not free if the only thing you can do, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you're not free if the only thing you can do is choose between two new masters once every so often. Mm-hmm. It, it's like that, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, hmm, changing gears a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's the same, the same kind of argument that people make for, <clears throat> for government welfare. They're mm-hmm. saying, well, this is a good thing helping poor people. So we're justified in doing what it takes in order to get that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to say the same, the same thing. If this was a good idea, then you don't have to use force in order to accomplish it. That's right. Yeah. If, if people find this valuable, if they find it a good thing, then they'll do it. Right. For, for whatever reasons they want, they, you know, they will do it. And, and I mean, if we look at like the history of uh, mutual aid societies in America and even before America, you know, going all the way back, uh, they were very prominent and very successful. And it's, it's quite a tragedy that they've been essentially erased from American literature, like any sign or trace of them in like history books is just gone because obviously, you know, that wouldn't support the state's narrative. The state wants you to believe that all these people were just dying in the streets before, you know, the, um, um, you know, the new society, you know, LBJ is a great new society. Because of those greedy capitalists. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, I think you phrased it perfectly. It's a, a tragedy. Yeah. And it seems to me that it's a tragedy not only exacerbated, but more or less caused by, again, the force and coercion of government intervention. Because once, oh, yeah. once your part of your money is taken away from you to allegedly help other people, well, then first of all, you have less money, less right. means to help on your own. Second, there's the illusion that people are oh, already getting the help they need. Yes, so that's exactly. Okay. I pay but, my taxes so I don't need to donate to charity or help people. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. But then that also becomes um, kind of, uh, I would say the the competitor is if you want to then run your own private charity, you have to try to compete with the government, which has limitless resources because it That's can right. keep stealing from people to yep. do whatever it wants. And so then it's kind of a triple threat to people actually helping other yeah. people. And I mean, it's just like a miracle that, you know, uh, people give as much as they do, even this, in spite of that, right? So you just have to imagine how much more they would give. Like, see, that's the thing, right? Is that the state has essentially disconnected local communities from each other. They've essentially alienated them uh, to the point where it's like, well, you know, there's these, this poor person on the street. It's like, you know, a person walks by a poor person on the street and they think, wow, I wish we had a government program to, you know, so this wouldn't happen instead of actually helping the person, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, well, you could go make that person's life better just by going and saying hi, or just talking to them and maybe buying them a meal or something, you mm-hmm. know, but, but if you if your first thought is, well, we need a government program to stop that. It's like, yeah, that's just, that proves the alienation that they've caused. And, you know, communities used to be much more tight knit and like rely on each other and stuff like that. And then the state essentially destroyed that through um, coercive means. And it's, yeah. it's a tragedy. 
And it's destructive on a personal level too. That's right. Because if you feel bad for someone and you feel like you should help them, but you outsource that responsibility to someone else, then you're missing out on growth as a person, something mm -hmm. that could make you better and help someone else at the same time. You've That's right. Both now missed out on something. And yeah, each it, of you is a little weaker because of that. That's right. It, it destroys the, the morality of it, right? Because there's that quote uh, that no free choice can be moral unless freely chosen. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, that that's really the crux of it. It's like, yeah, you know, having, you know, having a government steal from your neighbor to pay for some homeless person on the street. Well, you may like the outcome of that. You, you created more wrongs on the way to get to that right than was necessary. You're right. You could have just helped that person yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So it, it definitely just kind of um, self-defeating in the sense if, if you're looking at it through a moral lens. Mm. absolutely well that's why we try to focus on uh, not only running a little charity campaigns and our ongoing campaigns to try to help people mm -hmm. but focus on spreading the message of why that's important to do voluntarily yes and the foundation of liberty that that is built on right yeah yeah I, i'm a huge fan of you guys i think you guys do a uh, great work Thank you. Thank you. And I know you you do your part trying to oh. spread the message on Twitter. I, nothing compared to you guys, <laughs> but I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, well, the more the more people hear it, I think, the more Yeah. The because you, lots of people have different ways of expressing things. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the they're the the Murray Rothbards yeah. and the Mises who can say things very eloquently yes. and there's people who just, you know, can tell it like it is and right. say it in a more approachable manner. And For you sure. never know if the thing that the way that you're saying it is what's going to resonate with someone and it's finally going to click for them. Yeah, that's right. Right. Everyone is uh, approaches libertarianism through different ways and different paths. So it's, it's definitely good to have like a cast a wide net. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I definitely think, um, uh, like, yeah, that's the thing, right? Is that if we could just get back to a place where like more local communities actually like help each other, I think most most people would see the state's authority as just irrelevant, right? To the, at least to the sense that like, it's like, if you can see like, yeah, we can take care of each other as a community. Yeah, why, why would we need the state to come in and act as a middleman that's just unnecessary in the first place, right? So I think that should be the goal. Yeah, well, hopefully... Hopefully we can get there. It seems yeah. like, uh, like with the uh, the current situation, uh, the coof, as some mm -hmm. people call it, yes. more and more uh, local local authorities are starting to ignore what Big Brother government is telling them to do. Uh, DeSantis in Florida and mm -hmm. others. So, that hopefully that's a trend uh, that will continue. Yeah, people realize, hey, we don't need someone in Washington telling us what to do all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's also like really unfortunate unfortunate how people straw man libertarianism because right it's they'll say that well libertarianism is just everyone out for themselves but there's nothing inherent in the philosophy that points there right all mm -hmm. it, like like all it says is that you own your own life it doesn't say that it's wrong or you should just only care for yourself it just means that you have the highest claim to your life right mm -hmm. uh, so 
yeah, it, it, the more people who can go out as libertarians and show that, oh yeah, look, we're going out and we're actually doing the work. We're actually helping these people on the ground. I think that's like the best way to do it. And I, I think like people get inspired by that. And when they see like one group doing it, people tend to want to say, oh, hey, I want to get in on that too, right? So, yeah. yeah that was actually one reason why uh, a Logan Davies, our director, started Voluntarism in Action. Because he mm-hmm. was tired of people saying libertarians are just selfish. He's right. Like, oh, I'll show you that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but well, thanks very much for, for coming on. And oh, I was happy to. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Your your experience. Yeah. And your thoughts. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, and maybe we'll be able to talk again sometime. Absolutely. Another, I'd love to. Another Twitter battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks see. for having me on, man. Oh, thanks, Ace. Talk to you Absolutely. later. Absolutely.